The reason I love sport, the reason most people love sport is because you just can't predict it ever. But you can debate and discuss and make your predictions that you think are right and then be, be kind of heartbroken when it doesn't happen. So actually we have an appetite to have a second screen experience during that so that we can have things that bring the main screen experience to life and also make us feel like it, it's okay that we're not in the stadium, we still get a great experience. Consumer Electronics Show or Wimbledon? Wimbledon. <laughs> Obvious. I can do watch exactly what I want when I want and analyze it and it's a personalized awesome broadcast experience. Hi, my name's John. You've just joined the Experience Cafe and today we're talking to Fred Baker about fan engagement. Really excited to have Fred here. Fred, give us a quick intro around who you are and what you're busy with today. Awesome. Cheers, John. Uh, so I'm Fred Baker. I run our sports practice here in the UK, um, uh, which is a pretty incredible job. I'm very, very lucky to have it. I've just come off the last three weeks of, um, of uh, being immersed in Wimbledon and the Open uh, with uh, St Andrews. So uh, pretty great job getting to travel around, being involved in the most kind of awesome sporting events that, that we have here in this country. That's fantastic. And you say when you say our practice, you mean, I'm assuming, IBM? Yeah, so I run, our, I run our sports practice for IBM Consulting. Um, I previously have run uh, kind of large digital portfolios doing digital transformation in industrial sector, public sector, and then now happily uh, I'm running the sports practice for us. Fantastic, and we look forward to hearing a little bit more about what you're doing and, and some of the cool stuff that's coming. Yeah, cool. But before we get there, Fred, uh, just to get a little bit, of, bit more right insight about you, coming to two truths and a lie about you. And, and you're gonna guess the lie. I will try. So you, Right. Um, so uh, I used to run my own bakery. Uh, I competed nationally in uh, the 110 meter hurdles. Uh, and I have uh, hung out with Harry Styles. Crikey. Uh, well, with a name like Baker, being a Baker sounds a little implausible, but I've heard some stories. I'm going to go with uh, the 100 meter hurdles as a lie. No, that's no? correct. Absolutely correct. Oh, I right. was I was actually on track for the national title, uh, and then the bloke beside me's trailing leg came over and kicked my hurdle, oh, tripped me up. A um, merry decker crowd moment. was distraught. Oh dear! And I didn't win. I came last. But uh, that was my moment of glory. that was your indelible moment. That, exactly. That, that yeah, propelled yeah. you into a future of esports and, yep. and sports engagement. Yeah. You? Okay. So. You, so I'm, I'm assuming the lie then is, is Harry Styles? Harry right? Styles, yeah. I did once see him uh, withdrawing cash from an ATM in Hampstead Heath and we exchanged a meaningful look, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that that's a hangout. <laughs> and your bakery experience was that? Uh, I did run my own little bakery back in Auckland, New Zealand, where I'm from, um, and it was called Freddie's Bakery. Fantastic. <laughs> Freddie Baker by name, Freddie Nick Baker. Exactly. Baking by nature. All right. Um, so Get into the topic of fan engagement. Why is fan engagement so so important um, in sports world? I mean, there's what almost eight billion of us in the world right now. I guess most of us are linked to a sport of some description. In your experience, why is fan engagement so such a hot topic and so interesting? Uh, oh well, a lot of reasons really. I mean, um, it's important because that's that's sort of the only reason people play sport is for the fans. Um, if there were no fans, then I suspect most of the sports we sort of know and love wouldn't really exist um, in their same form. Um, the fans are what give it meaning, um, give it that kind of passionate followership. Um, and the, the fan experience is so important because there's so, it's something people are so passionate about that there's so much to work with there. There's, you know, people are so willing to engage, to spend huge amounts of their time following a sport, a player, a team, 
Um, so there's so much opportunity to bring that to life and really um, fulfill that passion and make it kind of meaningful for people. Um, and I think it's also it's important for kind of me at IBM because we have so many capabilities uh, and products and, and kind of offerings that we deliver across all other industries that are all really relevant um, in the sports space. So fundamentally, it's about engaging customers and delivering things that are meaningful for, for the user. Um, and there's no kind of better, more direct and kind of passion filled way to do that than in the sports space, I reckon. Fantastic. And, um, and I guess if you can do that effectively, you get to monetize that uh, in terms of exactly. the industry. Yeah, I mean that's the, I mean that's the that's that's the thing I find really interesting about about uh, the work we do in sports is um, a, a, a fan knows exactly what the DNA of their team or their player is and needs to be, or they sort of they feel there's a there's a lot associated with um, who they follow. It's not just enough for a win or a, a you know a result. They have to play in the right way. They have to maintain the authenticity of their. Um, organization or their club or their course or whatever it is um, so they have to engage the fan in the right way not just in good ways but in the right way that sort of is true to the, the kind of authentic um, origins and and um, spirit of, of the brand or the team or, or the or the club um, and so you the, there's there's this balance you sort of have to help a sports organization achieve where they engage these fans in that right way but in a way that helps the fan feel comfortable interacting, kind of engaging, buying products, services, um, not in a way that ever feels commercialized because that's the last thing you want to do to a fan and that's going to put them off, but in a way that can get revenue for the organization. So they can take that revenue, drive more meaningful experiences, grow, buy better players. Um, it all is a sort of virtuous cycle. So that's the kind of balance to help um, organizations achieve that I really enjoy. Yeah, and, and I guess there's some lessons that can be learned from that environment and context into other industries, but we can we can go and find that in a later. Yeah. So so you mentioned, you know, you've just been working in, in Wimbledon um, and some of the opens and tell me, tell us about some of the cool things that you're doing in in this space today. Yeah, cool. So uh, so IBM so that three weeks ago started with uh, with Wimbledon, um, where IBM's been a partner for thirty three years. So pretty pretty awesome to see how we've worked together with the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club to help them maintain the authenticity of their the kind of the Wimbledon experience, but grow their reach, their engagement with fans. So, you know, what we do with them today compared to what we, you know, maybe did at the start is um, is huge in terms of how it's come along, how we bring data to life, make fans able to experience the uniqueness of Wimbledon and immerse themselves in every match. So that's super cool. I spent two weeks um, helping show our clients around what we do at Wimbledon, taking them uh, into the bunker, which is where we basically run run a huge data management operation and, and kind of bring the stats of Wimbledon to life for, for fans um, and experiences they can immerse themselves in. Did that for two weeks. The week after, I was in St. Andrews, uh, seeing our um, another of our clients there, St. Andrews Links Trust, um, who played host to the 150th Open. Uh, my boy Cam Smith won, which was also great, but, uh, but uh, more than that, it was, it was super cool to see the fact that we had gone live the week before with a new the new website for the um, for the trust St Andrews Links Trust, um, and we are now doing a whole heap of um, really exciting work with them, building a new commerce platform for them, new booking system, looking at, at a two year roadmap of initiatives that will help them bring their club to the world. Um, and we're talking about the home of golf, that is literally the mecca for for, for any golf fan, um, uh, and bringing that 
to the world really um, where historically that's been something you can only get to see and experience if you're one of the privileged few that kind of can get a booking there a year in advance or, or as a member living locally and and really the idea is bringing that incredibly unique uh, place um, to life for golf fans around the world and and, and, and we're the organization helping them do that it's cool and uh, um, so I guess it's about making it more accessible to more people yeah I guess to your point around um, fan engagement and kind of making that experience more immersive um, how what are some of the features around sort of this merge between the physical game and some of the digital experiences we're putting around that what are some of the things that you're seeing resonate um, so for, for us what we do well and what I think is really working uh, is starts with data so sport has now for a long time but exponentially so in a recent the recent period just got so much data around it there's kind of the um kind of data about a position of a ball a position of a player that there's just so much data in, in that sense there's data about everything historical that has ever happened for a team an opposition a player a coach um there's data about fans about the kind of volume they're making about um how they're feeling their sentiment um there's data about billions of pundits and comments being made so all this data is there and we also know that we when we are passionate about sport we have a huge appetite for that data and 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 digesting it and debating it and uh and kind of um having it having it mean things for what we think about the outcome so that's something we've been looking at more and more is how we bring data not just to then help with keeping the score but to help fans to understand little aspects of the game that they'll then be able to look for. Is it, you know, is it actually going to be um, the pressing that a left back does that is going to change the outcome of a season? Or is it going to be um, a certain a certain winger in a rugby team staying fit that will mean that a team has X percent more likelihood to win? These sorts of things bring stats to life for fans is proving really successful. I think we've seen it in, in the States, like with uh, ESPN Fantasy Football, where we've been partnered with uh, them for a long time. We do all of their fantasy football stats. Um, in the States, they love it. It really helps fans engage. Uh, fans will spend half of their year on the ESPN Fantasy Football site um, engaging with the sport, and then that enables their experience when watching the match to be so much more kind of detailed and immersive. So I think there's a lot of that. And then the second thing I reckon is um, is kind of extending the rich experience. So we see here, like with a football game or a cricket game, rugby game, there's this amazing 80 or 90 minutes um, that a fan can really engage. Actually, we have an appetite to have a second screen experience during that so that we can have things that bring the main screen experience to life and also make us feel like it, it's okay that we're not in the stadium. We still get a great experience. And also we're super keen before and after to digest more and more about the match to engage with predicting things or insights that we think uh, kind of will be meaningful for a match to understand the past and analyze the past and have our say. And then also after the match to engage in meaningful ways and also and kind of get things that will help us remember it and interact with communities. So I think there's a ton more we can do to kind of extend the match day experience, if you like, as well, uh, which is exciting. So sort of uh, uh, build anticipation, uh, the expectation for the experience. You have the 90 minutes or whatever it is for, the, for that. Yeah. Um, how do you augment that through the game? I mean, when so um, I've used the, uh, the slam tracker, one, yep. of the, one of the features for Wimbledon, which I find really interesting to see the momentum of the game 
and the predicting and the outcome in terms of um, who's likely to win. I think that there's yep. something called the power rankings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess this sort of starts to actually spill over into something that's sort of maybe the darker side of this, right? Which is, you know, you, you now got now data and insights to your point to now start doing predictions of the outcome and to what extent does that start influencing things like, like sports betting? Uh, what's your opinion on that? Or, you know, what's the thinking behind that? Because there's a whole industry around sports betting, which if you start, to your point, leveraging all this data for the fan experience, um, potentially does that start to drive more interesting predictions on, on that? Yeah, side? well, it does. So it does drive more prediction. I, we don't ever do any of the work we do to help um, people place bets or help people make money off, off sport. I think the reason I love sport, the reason most people love sport is because you just can't predict it ever. You have no idea what's going to happen. It could... Nadal could be out with a um, with a rib injury or you know a, a torn abdomen. Sorry, that you just can't predict what's going to happen. I think that's why we love it. But you can debate and discuss and make your predictions that you think are right, and then be be kind of heartbroken when it doesn't happen. So I think the reason we do it with Wimbledon, for example, and other and other kind of um, events like the Masters, the reason we help people engage and make their own predictions, share their thoughts, is because that makes it more exciting. Um, I think we also can have real success and have had real success at helping organizations internally with their intelligence about their decision making to optimize their chances of, of a result, um, to help them do really intelligent scouting of opposition so that they can then understand the right way to play the next match, the right lineup to select, how to optimize their lineup for this match so that in the long term over the course of the season they're going to reduce risk of injuries to certain players. This sort of thing. So it certainly is an intelligence that can be relied on to help make better decisions. Um, but as with kind of a, a lot of the base of it all is is artificial intelligence that we use. And I think as with anything in any industry with artificial intelligence, it's not. It's never meant to replace. And sort of it's never it's never a perfect science. It's uh, it's meant to augment our decision making process and help us make uh, even better decisions. So I don't think it's going to help with betting, unfortunately. Um, uh, but I think there's some amazing stuff that can help uh, teams to do to be more successful. And I think there's, um, it can continue to do more awesome stuff about helping us think about more aspects of a game that will make it more exciting. Fantastic. Um, so I guess the, uh, the other thing that the kind of, in terms of where it's going is uh, enriching the current fan experience using all this data. Uh, there's this other emergence around esports. And you know, playing sport in the metaverse. You know, what's your point of view around around that? Well, I think that's super cool. I think it's where, I think it. Well, it's not where the world's going. It's where the world is. Um, so there's over a, there's over a billion gamers in the world. Um, there's over 200 million active esports gamers, and so esports is literally just um, organised competitive gaming. Um, that's literally best way to define it. Um, who? Good friend of mine who I'm working with, uh, Chester King, who's the British Esports Association um, uh, leader, kind of defined it as. Um, I think it is awesome because uh, originally I wasn't so sure because I thought, like my childhood, I like being outside, playing around, playing rugby, uh, like the the once great All Blacks. Um, uh, and but now I think it's brilliant because I realise how how much inclusion and diversity it is driving. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are. Um, if you can have an internet connection, you can partake just as equally in, in kind of these amazing, huge tournaments that are run around the world um, in esports, whether it's car racing or FIFA or, um, or kind of warfare games, whatever it might be. Um, so I think 
we have this amazing opportunity. We have this hugely captive audience um, of largely young people who just get tech and who are tech savvy, who are interested in sharing and, and um, kind of the, the spirit of open. Um, they are all actively gaming, actively playing these tournaments across a whole range of platforms. And there's a super exciting opportunity for us as IBM in that space to help bring even more scale bring some security and safety with that scale that I think is essential um, with an industry that is growing so fast and therefore kind of um, needs, needs some help to maintain the right sort of structures. Um, but, but that's a super exciting area for us and, and IBM, I think, because, because you've kind of got people engaging permanently on platforms that are, are super sort of tech savvy and so much data for us to kind of play with and make even more engaging and immersive experiences for, for all these gamers and all these fans. And I guess there's also a, a, a demographic or generational uh, differences, right, between yep. I guess people of my generation and maybe your generation who can, who uh, didn't really spend much time online gaming um, versus people who, who are growing up in that world now. And I guess um, there's almost like a parallel lesson around how do you engage uh, different demographics in other industries? Who you know people who are immersed in this way of interacting starts to shape the experiences of how they engage with other brands yep. uh, and other other offers in the market, right? Yeah, I reckon, yeah. So um, there was some stat, I'm going to get it wrong, but the sort of the principle of the stat is true is that I think it's sort of age 25 or something and below for the rest of their lives will spend sort of over 50% of their, um, their kind of worth, their value and their time will be spent online in some way, um, which is, I think, really meaningful. It means that 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 online presence and interaction and purchasing and and having your net worth and value online is just a natural thing. And that's something that the world of esports is totally comfortable with because that's kind of, you build games online and that's where they kind of are in these amazing worlds. That's where all of our other um, industries and sectors and clients that we work with elsewhere are having to adapt. You know, it's not it's not some sort of extra thing you do with your day where you might go online and look at a maybe a more sort of static shop experience, you need to be immersed at every step of the way or else it's going to be um, a sort of subpar experience to what these um, these uh, these kids are used to where everything is just so immersive and they literally have all their friends, the people they kind of know and love, they can interact with them in the metaverse um, or on these gaming platforms. So I think there's a massive shift is going to have to happen to kind of catch up with the experience and the bar that's been set by um, by gaming. Right. Well, um, so um, for those out there, if you like what you hear so far, please hit the like button and subscribe if you want to hear for more on our channel. But um, to carry on with the discussion, uh, Fred, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions as cool. I ask all my guests, um, just to get a little bit more insights around how your brain works. Um, so <laughs> the standard 10 questions, um, it's uh, one or the other, morning or evening? Evening. Diet or exercise? Uh, I think both probably because I sort of find I'll try to try to do always try to do at least one, but then it's way better if you're doing both. Um, email or chat? Chat. Yes or perhaps? Yes. Consume electronic show or Wimbledon? Wimbledon. <laughs> Obvious. Disruption or transformation? Disruption. Cloud or GDPR? Cloud. Video or phone call? Phone call. Consult or direct? Uh, consult. Speed or accuracy? Speed. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so 
just quickly moving on a little, also a little bit about you. Um, one of the things we find is we learn from our, our failures in life and that informs how we approach things. And actually there's some of the most interesting insights come out of when things didn't work out. Um, what was the sort of biggest failure in your experience that, that you learned the most from um, that, uh, that you can share with us? Uh, oh, it's hard to pick just one. <laughs> <laughs> there have been so many. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, um, uh, um, I think probably, especially in the last few years at, at this at uh, IBM, um, is just sort of trying to <laughs> trying to do too much and go too fast. Um, I know I just said speed over accuracy, but probably should have gone with a different answer there. So um, I think uh, the last few years have been incredible. I've done some been lucky to be involved in some amazing work but through that time I've always sort of tried to achieve 10 amazing things rather than just nail one or two um so no specific examples I'm going to give but I think that's been my major learning for the last few years is like just less is more and I think that's really relevant and and trying to sort of focus on using that now in the sports space because um it applies in what we're doing with these sports organizations we're working with the St Andrews Links Trust the Masters um uh Wimbledon um, some of the Premier League organisations we're, we're, we're um, working with, motorsport, all of that, if you can do one or two super rich, meaningful, well-delivered products or experience points in a journey for a fan, then they will have a massive impact and drive a huge amount of engagement for the fan, for the organisation, rather than trying to do this sort of all-encompassing journey or product that does everything, but does everything sort of five out of ten good. Um, so that's... Yeah, maybe a bit of a cop-out answer, but I think that's been my sort of learning failing over the last few years of trying to do too much and, and then what I've kind of taken from it now I think I'm trying to apply in the sports space. So, so yeah, summarize sort of less is more. Yeah. Um, and kind of focus on the knockout 10 out of 10 versus the yep. stretching yourself to 10. Um, so on that topic then, what are some of the knockout 10 out of 10 experiences you're currently working on with, with some of your clients that you can give us some insight to? Uh, well, so... So kind of to that point, not not um, nothing groundbreaking technically, but I think the the St Andrews Links Trust site that we've just deployed a couple of weeks ago, or just just gone live with a couple of weeks ago, is just beautiful. Um, and uh, <laughs> genuinely, if you visit, um, I was speaking with someone last night who went to university at St Andrews, and they said they just spent so long just scrolling through the course and just looking at all the amazing photos and and kind of reliving every hole of all the different courses. Um, and I just think it is a beautiful site, amazingly de- designed by some of our awesome design team, Matt Jervis, Charlie Case. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's a brilliant example of bringing the right experience to life for fans to immerse themselves in without even having to be groundbreaking in terms of the technology. It's just a great experience. Um, I think some of the stuff we did at Wimbledon the last couple of weeks before that was, was super cool and people loved the, the way we did... Um, this thing called explainable AI, basically, where we would surface the main reasons behind our prediction of who was going to win a match, um, whether it was that someone was particularly good on grass or their last win was much more dominant than the other player. Um, So I think that's super cool. I still think the stuff we do um, around basically teaching AI to watch sport is awesome. Um, uh, We've we've now taught AI, uh, IBM Watson, to to watch uh, rugby, um, football, uh, tennis, chess, um, and it can basically understand and create automatic highlights. It can enable us to do super detailed scouting and analysis of our own play based on 
anything we say to it in natural language. So you don't even have to speak computer to be able to then ask Watson to give you a perfectly curated highlights package or deep analysis on specific elements of a match. Um, so I think that's super cool for fans because they can get personalized highlights right then at the Masters. Uh, the team over there do some awesome work basically giving near real-time broadcast-like experience to fans to watch any golfer they choose near real-time after they've played every single shot. Now that is, that is like, I reckon, ground as a golf fan, that's groundbreaking because I watch currently and I can see a feature group and I can see the player I love when when they decide to film him and show, show him on camera to me. Now we've got an experience at one of the greatest golf tournaments in the world, the Masters, where fans can watch anything they want whenever it happens um, and analyze everything in a really meaningful way in a second screen experience. So I think all of that stuff's super cool. I think we're gonna do stuff going forwards that is very cool around intelligence and helping people make better decisions in the sporting arena, in rugby and football, motorsport, um, yeah. So and so just quickly touch on that. So, so what you're suggesting is today, the current technology, you could almost do personalized streaming and highlights in real time based on real time analytics and monitoring of feeds, right? Yeah. So I can so I can be I can be watching a tournament like the Masters where I for some reason like and this often happens as a New Zealand fan as you have sort of one New Zealand sportsman in the field who no one knows about or There's no one, one, no one else really cares about oh, right. but um but he's amazing and I love him and I want to watch every shot he plays. Right. Now if I'm watching Sky or the broadcaster then I'm probably not going to see him at all. Um, if he misses the cut, then he's probably never going to sort of feature. I'm not going to see anything of him. If I'm watching the IBM app for the, the IBM Masters app, then I can watch every single shot he plays and I can analyze everything about his game, um, what's going on. I can also see everything else. I can do watch exactly what I want when I want and analyze it. And it's a personalized, awesome broadcast experience. Yeah. And, and that's, that takes this whole idea of personalized experiences to the next level. Um, yeah. and, and it's some, it's going on in, in other industries right now as well, right? Um, if I just you know look at um, customer data platforms as the new hot topic mm. around how do you drive that personal experience for for customers in various industries, and what you've just explained there is something that's very real for this industry. Yeah, and I, and I guess it's, to some extent is applicable and transferable to other places, right? Yeah, and I, and it's interesting because the we so and sport is this kind of very interesting industry versus others because it's on the one hand. Um, users or customers are exponentially more willing to give their data than they are in other industries. So if I think I'm going to get one more minute of content of, um, it's hard to pick uh, a player in the Man United team at the moment that isn't either leaving or um, sort of still there, but I'm a Man United fan, unfortunately. So um, if I want to see a minute more of Paul Pogba footage, then I'm going to give all the data in the world so that I have a chance of getting it or to get that little bit more data on my team that I love. I will give everything about me and my preferences. Um, and in return, I think sports organizations historically haven't done much with it. Um, so it's sort of the opposite. We, we have other organizations, other industries were desperate to do things with data, but they get access to very little. Sport is the opposite. So um, I think if you look at the Masters, for example, we, we are willing, we are very willing to give our specific preferences and everything that we want to see to the organization. The organization in the first instance is then using that to deliver exactly what the fan wants, that personalized experience. But the follow-on from that is then you have the opportunity to then analyze exactly what every single customer has done throughout the course of a tournament, what they've what their preferences are, and then you can do something meaningful with that, capitalize on that kind of understanding and insight that you have um, to then drive 
more, more engagement, more revenue, so on. So I think um, kind of what we do in sport, I think, is relevant for other industries because it's not, it's sort of, um, it's a softly, softly catchy monkey type um, thing where you sort of first deliver on the experience that they're asking for. And then afterwards, once you've earned that right, I think you can do something meaningful with that data. Yeah, and, and almost provide those tailored VIP experiences. Yeah, as well. exactly. So um, just kind of trying to wind the clock forward then. So you mentioned esports. Um, I think you've just described how we're sort of trying to get that, dare I say, omni-channel experience between the physical sport and the kind of the online world and trying to create that crossover. Um, you touched on the fact that esports is now going kind of more immersive and there's almost an extension to the metaverse. Kind of if you take a step back and just think sort of five years from now, um, how's the world changed? What, what do you think will be different five years now in this space than where we are today based on what you're seeing? Uh, I just think there will be less focus on physical like we've seen in the past with sport where it's selling merchandise in physical shops and um, focusing predominantly on sort of those that are physically in places and much more focus on the digital. Um, if you look at the, I think it was like, I think it was um, a stat from uh, Liverpool FC who we, we did some really cool work with them as well actually a couple of years ago. but. Um, something around the kind of average age, or maybe not Liverpool, but something around the average age at, at one of the kind of those key stadiums um, 30 years ago was was uh, 19 or something. Now it's yeah. 49. Um, so literally the kind of, it's an aging physical uh, um, fan, but all of the young fans are engaging in super meaningful ways. If you take Premier League, for example, young fans are engaging so much in FIFA and kind of e-FIFA tournaments. And that's where all the engagement is. Premier Leagues need to work out, and they already are, work out how to capitalise on mm. the esports interest in the same sport, um, owning teams, investing in tournaments, and selling digital assets like footage material, NFTs uh, around jerseys, player material, so on. So I think there's going to be this, that means things for supply chain, it means things for um, kind of uh, how they control their assets and own their assets and share their assets. But I think it's going to be all about digital, all about how people can own their sort of share of, uh, of the, the club, um, how they can immerse themselves in the metaverse and um, kind of all these online platforms, much less, much more seamless. Um, yeah. Will we be watching sports with a headset on in the metaverse in the future? You might do, yeah. Um, I don't think I'll ever need to because I love, I lo love just having it on um, TV and then having lots of other things that have informed me in the advance and after it and I can engage and maybe for me it'd be more about how I can bring community or friends into my experience with me and maybe that is through a headset but maybe through other kind of um, forms but um, for me I don't think the product of the sport is going to change mm. but I think I will just be get a richer and richer experience during before and after it. Fantastic. Fred, been really interesting talking to you and thanks for your insights. Um, Thank you. Wish you all the best in the world of esports and sports engagement and fan engagement. And um, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Cheers, John. Great. Thank you.